you just bear with me for just a few moments. And uh, I'll try to be as, as careful as I can. Uh, I can't guarantee you a particular length of time. So just be patient with me. And, and I hope that I can pour into your life as God has poured into mine. Amen. So moving forward, I would like to, uh, again, thank each and every one of you for uh, allowing me to participate, not just in your services, but also the Bible study that I occasionally uh, spend time in sharing and hearing the word of God. I enjoy the conversations that are carried across the uh, screen regarding the particulars of scripture and the understanding that we have. Uh, I have been encouraged by the things I've heard. So again, I want to thank you for allowing me to participate in that as well. So again, I pray that the word I have prepared for you this morning, that you'll be encouraged by it, that you will be able to walk not just in confidence, but also in faith. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. I'll be coming from you from the book of Second uh, Kings. Chapter five. Verses one through 19. Or oh, actually one to uh, 13 or 14, actually. This is a very familiar reading. Second Kings. Chapter five. Verses 1 through uh, 14. Now, the only scripture I will read for your hearing is verse 2 and then verse 3. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. Now this young girl, she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she, the maid, said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, this passage of, is a very familiar passage. I remember growing up in my native state of Ohio, how that ministers, whether it be in the, uh, in the apostolic or the Baptists or Methodists or Pentecostal, when they would preach this sermon, uh, each speaker would have his own particular way of expressing the story of Naaman. And the highlight of this scripture or this passage was the point where Naaman had to go down to the River Jordan and dip himself as per directed by the prophet Elisha. So to give a summary of what's going on, here you have a man by the name of Naaman who was king's right-hand man, the scripture reads. 
a man of valor, an important man to the king. But this man had leprosy, a skin condition, if you will. Now, it concerned the king, his condition, but they couldn't do anything about it. But as the story continues to read, there was a maid or a person that was captured by the, the marauders, if you will, of, of that time in that day, captured a girl. And she was able to express to them what she understood. And as a result of that, Naaman was directed through his king to go to see the king of Israel and then inevitably to go to see the prophet Elisha concerning his condition. Now, it is interesting to me that even though the process went from the marauders, the little girl, the king of Assyria, the king of Israel, more importantly, Naaman's wife, she was included in this, and then also to Elisha, then through Naaman's servant, and then eventually Naaman, he finally responded to what was needed for his recovery. But in this story, I read it differently. Although every preacher that I heard preached about this particular passage, always emphasized about Naaman's experience. But I think there were two other people that needed to be noted about this passage. One was the girl or the maid, and the other was the servant of Naaman. Well, this is why I found these two people to be just as important as Naaman and the process, which is key, what he went through. Now, it is said in chapter, I mean, in, 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 the, in the second and third verse, it talks about this maid that was captive by the marauders, okay? They brought her into their camp. And she began to work as a servant for Naaman's wife. For that moment of time that she was exposed to what was going on in his house, Naaman, she was made aware of his condition. Now, what I like about this maid that she did not hesitate to bring to the attention of her mistress, which was Naaman's wife, a solution, a solution to her master's condition. What I like about this girl is that oftentimes we, you and I, myself, find ourselves in precarious or different or other situations, whether it be on a job, whether it be different places where you might find company or be in the company of other things and other people. We should not forget our own testimony. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. Is that right? right? This young maid, even though she was in a foreign place, all right, different from her previous surroundings, never forgot about her own testimony, the God she served. And I think it's imperative that we remind ourselves 
regardless of what circumstance and situations that we are facing and the company that, as they say, that we might keep, we have to remind ourselves, greater is he that is in us yeah. that, than he that is in the world. So amid her situation, where she found herself to be, did not overwhelm her or take away from her her testimony, her belief in God, who stood for her insomuch so that she, without hesitation, without any reluctancy, stood up and said, I know a man. And before I continue, I want to, I forgot to give you my subject, if you will. My subject is go see a man. She, the, the maid, made it a point to bring to a Samaritan, I'm not, not a Samaritan, but an Assyrian, a Gentile, who was not of Israel's belief, who did not serve the God she served, brought to the mistress' attention that I know a man who can heal your husband, who is my Lord. Right, so she respected not only the woman, the mistress that she served, Naaman's wife, but also called Naaman her lord, but never neglecting to bring to their attention a greater solution to their problem. And when you stand up to testify and your testimony is true, let us understand and believe that it draws attention. Because if you go to the next verse, you will find that after the maid spoke to the mistress and gave her the information that she needed to hear about her husband being healed, immediately there was a reaction from the word that the mistress spoke. What am I saying by that? So your testimony is that powerful. The word in you is that powerful and persuasive that when someone hears you speak something, that they're going to react to it one way or the other. Let me give a brief testimony. In the job that I worked previously at FedEx, I didn't go in announcing or a sign on my back or a letter on my heart saying that I'm saved and born again and I know the word. But when I went into the to that environment, when asked, I spoke the things that was on my heart. And as a result of that, even though people were not directly hearing me or seeing me, or I had their attention, mind you, people heard my voice. And as a as the result of hearing my voice, they heard the words that came from my voice. And that created a reaction. Long before I knew it, certain days after, there were people walking up and up to me asking me about my belief and my faith and the God I serve. So when you read this passage, after the maid spoke to the mistress, she immediately ran and announced to other people, even the king of Syria, such and such and thus and thus about the, the, this prophet that was in Samaria that could do a great thing for Naaman. So I want you to understand that your testimony and your word that you speak for has the ability to grab the attention of the learned as well as the unlearned, 
the small as well as the great. Don't ever think that the things that you have in your mouth, whether you have a deep the theological uh, view of things, even the simple things that you may say, the small things that you may say, have a presence and a power that can grab the attention of anything and anyone. So don't limit yourself as to say, well, I'm not versed in the word. It doesn't matter how well versed you are. God has the ability to take his word and change the heart and mind of those who are hearing it. So never limit yourself because when you limit yourself, you're limiting God. All right. So just remember that when the word is in you, the word will do exactly what it needs to be done. But anyway, getting back to the story. When the mistress ran and said this and that and all the rest and all the rest and this and that, there is a man in Samaria that can heal Naaman and address his medical issue. And immediately the reaction from the king of Syria was says, hey, go and go. Let's get whatever we need together the letter, the gold, the clothes, all the things that he gave to Naaman to take to the king king of Israel so that we can find a solution and get this thing resolved. And that is Naaman's condition. So they got all the things that they thought was would, would, would be required and they would gather these things and go and, and they went to the king of Israel. Now he got offended thinking that the king of Syria was trying to pro provoke a thought or a fight or even an incident as if to say, why is this king of Syria bringing me Naaman and all these gifts that I'm supposed to aid in his recovery? But that's, that's another story. So the king of Israel got mad and said, you know, I can't do anything about this. I'm not going to try to respond to this because this is either beneath, beneath my grade level or even above. I just can't deal with it. I cannot address it. But here in Israel, in the land of Samaria, was a prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha heard about the letter that was sent to the king of Israel concerning Naaman. And he said, listen here, now I want you to tell this man, Naaman, to come down and see me. I think I got something for him. So Naaman and the servants that traveled with him and his entourage walked down to Elisha's house. Now, when they got there, instead of Elisha coming out to the house, he sent a servant out and said, hey, look. He said, he wanted me to tell you to Naaman, I want you to go down to the River Jordan and wash yourself seven times and you will be clean. Now, I'm trying to condense this story. So Naaman reacting to what was given to him by the servant of Elisha, reacted and got angry and said, you know what? I'm offended at the fact that you, Elisha, could not stand before me, Naaman, a great warrior, a man of valor who has conquered people and things, who have done great exploits, stand before me and tell me what I need to do. But Elisha, as cool as he was, 
you know, still did not come out and see the man. So Naaman got angry and started to walk away and say, now, listen here, brother man, talking still, reacting to Elisha's comment or request. I could have bathed in other things and other rivers and cleansed myself, and that would have been that. But how many times that we find ourselves selecting and choosing the path we want to take for our own salvation and belief so that we may find the shortest path to our solution and our, pros, our, our, our answers to our problems. We want to find the easiest path without having to work too hard and pray too long and diligently read the word and seek the Lord and all the things that we need to understand and build our relationship with God so that we can find a place in him and he can find a place in us. But no, we want to choose our own path, our own way of, of, of drawing nigh unto God. But he said in the word, if you draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. But we want to find other ways to seek and to be with God. So Naaman said, you know what? I'm mad. You know, I didn't get the results I wanted to have. God didn't answer my prayer and he didn't provide me that house or that car or he didn't provide me that job. He he just didn't just did things just does not come to pass for me that I prayed about and prayed for. But that's another conversation. But here we are. Now again, there were two people that that were more notable for me in this passage, other than Naaman and the king of Syria and Israel. Again, the first person was the maid. The second person was Naaman's servant. Now, before Naaman walked off and went away in anger and disappointment, as some of us may do when God does not answer our prayer as we would want it answered. Come on now. The servant quickly stopped him and said, now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait one minute, bro. Now, you're Naaman a man of valor, a great man, a warrior, of great exploits. You've conquered this and you've conquered that. Now, if this man, Elisha, had asked you to go and seize a, 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 a town or a city or, or whatever, if he asked you to do a great thing, a great exploit, you would have immediately rose up to the occasion and said, yeah, I can do that because I'm naming it. But this man is not asking you to do anything great but to follow his word. And that's the same thing God is asking us to do. He's asking us to trust his word and take him at his word. He said he'd be a lamp unto your feet, a light into your path. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In other words, you cannot go wrong with the things God give you. But yet we want to choose our own path. We want to walk our own way. We want to make up our own mind. And then when things don't go our way, we are quick to give up, throw in the towel. I don't want to follow the Lord. I don't want to pray no more. I don't want to do anything that's going to draw me nigh to him that he be drawn nigh to me. So where's your testimony? But the servant of Naaman said, now listen. 
do yourself a favor. He said, now, all he's asking you to do is go down and dip yourself and let God be God. Just go down to this muddy river that you can't see, even when you put your hand in, you can't even see your, your fingers anymore. But go down and dip yourself seven times and let the word be the word. Just let the word be the word in your life. If he spoke it, he gonna bring it to pass. But let God be God in your life. So Naaman, according to the story, went down and dipped himself. Now here, this is the part of this word here that when I used to hear it preached by different ministers, different pastors, the, they elaborated in such a great force and emphasis of each time that he dipped. Each time from, one, from the number one to the number seven, they would great, bring a great expression of words that was the highlight in the premise of the sermon. But I want to bring a different angle to it, if you let me. And I'm, 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 I'm going to say like just the old ministers used to say, I'm getting ready to close. In your struggles, in how you feel and believe, and even if you have not received Christ as your personal Savior, and you're wondering, which path should I take? What choice should I make? How can I get to the place where God can see me, reach me, feel me, then teach me? There is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but it leads to destruction sometimes. But there is a way that we can go that is through Christ Jesus. That not only we can gain salvation, but direction in our lives. That when we are encumbered with situations, whether it be physical or emotional, whether whatever the trial may be, but there's a bomb in Gilead we need to understand that can heal the sin-sick soul. But yet what I'm trying to get to is that if there is a time and occasion in your life where you need to seek out a greater power, where you need cleansing in your heart and in your mind, there are seven steps, seven things that you and I need to continue to continue to be active in our lives so that we, not, we may not forget who we are, where we are, what we're doing. But we need to continue to seek after God, his peace, his presence, his power, his will, and more importantly, his direction. There are seven things I want to point out that somewhat is relatable to the seven dips that Moses experienced. I mean, our name and experience. Now, our, our salvation is not something simple, but yet a process that has seven, seven stages, seven stages, mind you. And I hope this is making some sense to y'all. The first dip or the first point is called acknowledgement. Acknowledgement of sin, that will be found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. The second dip or the second point is repentance, sorrow for sin. That, that will be found in Romans chapter 10, verse the third dip, which is the third point, is confession. That would be found in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. The fourth dip, or the fourth point, is justification. 
That can be found in the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 7. The fifth dip or the fifth point is reconciliation. That can be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. The sixth dip, if not the sixth point, is sanctification. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. The seventh dip, or the seventh point, is redemption. Being restored back to the image of our living God, which is in Colossians Chapter 1, verse 14, and also Romans 3, 24. Listen, what I'm trying to say, what Naaman went through was a process, a process of redemption, not just physical, but spiritual. Because after his experience with the man of God, he came to the man of God in, in a repentant state and form saying, you know what? I was wrong for my attitude, my ways, my life, my choices, my decisions, and all the things that I, on, I needed to do and have. But when he realized after that seventh dip, his redemption, how being made over, being cleansed, being brought, brought back, being brought to a place of righteousness in Christ. Come on, somebody. I think we need to call to consider these things and go before God in prayer continually that we may be continually to be washed by the word, that we may our minds and our hearts may be renewed. Don't let a day go by and allow a name of the former name inside of you be resurrected as if your place in God or your position is God is not, not what God needs you to be. I'm going to close with this and I'm going to say, listen, I hope this word helped you because the story of Naaman has a lot, of, a lot to do with not just being washed in, or dipping himself seven times, but there was a process that he went through. Each time he went down, something changed in his life. So every seven, these seven points I gave you, there is a process involved that causes your life to be changed. Never give up on your testimony like the maid. Never give up on someone coming behind you when you seem to have lost your way and your faith has grown weary and, 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 and you find yourself daunted and dismayed that there's always someone that will be an encourager for you. Just like the servant encouraged Naaman, there can always be someone that will come along and encourage you and remind you what things need to happen and be done in your life. Remember the promise, remember the miracles, remember the works. Remember all the things that God has accomplished in your life that you can continue to walk in faith and not by sight. So I say to you and each and every one, go see a man. There is a bomb in Gilead that heals the sin sick soul. There's a bomb in Gilead that makes the wounded whole. Go see a man. I conclude. Thank you. Elder Todd, Elder Todd, before you leave, before you leave, can you please give us the seven steps again and the scriptures that's associated with them, please? Okay. The first one is called acknowledgement. That's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. The second one is repentance. That's the that'd be found in Romans chapter 10, verse 10. The third point is confession. And that can be found in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. 
The fourth point is justification. That can be found in the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 7. The fifth one is reconciliation. That's in 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 18. The sixth point is sanctification, which can be found in 2 uh, Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse Chapter 2, verse 13. Number seven is redemption, which can be found in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 14. Thank you very much. And do you have a Monday morning moment? Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Considering all things, let's, let us remind ourselves that the Bible says, in all, all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That, that involves any and every aspect of our lives. Never give up on your testimony. And always trust the word of God that during your course of life, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And then when there is a time for encouragement, you will be encouraged. If there's a time for help, God will strengthen you. I just want you to be encouraged and strengthened and continue to trust God. And that's my Monday morning moment. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Amen, amen. Thank you, Brother Todd. You're welcome, sir. And I thank... Um,